everyone and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks with Kudo, where you get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while learning about one of the most famous beverages in the world, tea. I'm your host, ex and today we'll be continuing our perusal of Persian mythology in Aladdin and the Arabian Nights. But first, some facts surrounding our chosen tea, Limebud Tea. Also known as Linden Tea, Limebud Tea helps lower blood pressure and aids in getting a good night's rest. It can also help calm anxiety and soothe digestion. I drink this tea sometimes, actually, usually when black tea isn't available, which is what I prefer. I like to drink it with a touch of cinnamon dough for a bit of a spicy aftertaste. Probably not everyone's preference, but I like it. So now that we have our tea, let's dive back into the second story that follows after Scheherazade tells her father, the Grand Vizier, that she wishes to become the Sultan's bride. This is our second story, the story of the ass, the ox, and the laborer. A very wealthy merchant possessed several country houses where he kept a large number of cattle of every kind. He had the gift of understanding the language of beasts but with this condition that he should not, on pain of death, interpret it to anyone else. He kept in the same stall an ox and an ass. One day, as he sat near them, he heard the ox say to the ass, Oh, how happy do I think you when I consider the ease you enjoy and the little labour that is required of you. You are carefully rubbed down and washed. You have well-dressed corn and fresh clean water. Your greatest business is to carry the merchant, our master, when he has any little journey to make, and were it not for that, he would be perfectly idle. My condition is as deplorable as yours is fortunate. Daylight no sooner appears than I am yoked to a plough and made to work till night, which so fatigues me that sometimes my strength entirely fails. Besides, the labourer, who is always behind me, beats me continually. By drawing the plough, my skin is all flailed flayed and in short after having having labored from morning to night when i am brought in they give me nothing to eat but poor and insufficient food so that you see i have reason to envy your lot the ass did not interrupt the ox but when he had concluded answered they that called you a foolish beast did not lie you are too simple you suffer them to conduct you whither they please and show no manner of resolution but they would not treat you so if you had as much courage as strength. When they come to fasten you to the stall, why do you not resist? Why do you not go them with your horns and show them that you are angry by stamping with your feet, with your foot? And in short, why do you not frighten them by bellowing aloud? Nature has furnished you with means to command respect, but you do not use them. They bring you sorry beans and bad straw. Eat none of them, only smell and then leave them. If you follow my advice, you will soon experience a change, for which you will thank me. The ox took the ass's advice in very good part, and owned he was much obliged to him. Early the next morning, the labourer went for the ox. He fastened him to the plough and conducted him to his usual work. The ox, who had not forgotten the ass's counsel, was very troublesome all that day and in the evening. When the labourer brought him back to the stall and began to fasten him, 
The malicious beast, instead of presenting his head willingly as he used to do, was was received and drew back bellowing, and then made at the labourer as if he would have gored him with his horns. In a word, he did all that the ass had advised him. The following day, the labourer came, as usual, to take the ox to his ladle, but finding the stall full of beans, the straw that he had put in the night before not touched, and the ox laying on the ground with his legs stretched out and panting in a strange manner, he believed him to be unwell, pitied him, and thinking that it was not proper to take him to work, went immediately and acquainted his master with his condition. The merchant, perceiving that the ox had followed all the mischievous advice of the ass, determined to punish the latter, and accordingly ordered the labourer to go, ordered the labourer, ordered the labourer to go and put him in the ox's place, and to be sure to work him hard. The labourer did as he was desired. The ass was forced to draw the plough all that day, which fatigued him so much the more, as he was not accustomed to that kind of labour. Besides. He had been so soundly beaten that he could scarcely stand when he came back. Meanwhile, the ox was mightily pleased. He ate up all that was in his stall and rested himself the whole day. He rejoiced that he had followed the ass's advice, blessed him a thousand times for the kindness he had done him, and did not fail to express his obligations when the ass had returned. The ass made no reply. His strength was so much exhausted that he fell down in his stall as if he had been half dead. Here the Grand Vizier addressed himself to Skeherazadi and said, Daughter, you act just like this ass. You will expose yourself to destruction by your erroneous policy. Take my advice. Remain quiet and do not seek to hasten your death. Father, replied Skeherazadi, the example you have set before me will not induce me to change my resolution. I will never cease importuning you unless, until you present me to the sultan as his bride. The vizier, perceiving that she persisted in her demand, replied, Alas, then since you will continue obstinate, I shall be obliged to treat you in the same manner as the merchant whom I before referred to treated his wife a short time after. The merchant, understanding that the ass was in a lamentable condition, was desirous of knowing what passed between him and the ox. Therefore, after supper, he went out by moonlight, his wife bearing him company, and sat down by them. After his arrival, he heard the ass say to the ox, Comrade, tell me, I pray you, what you intend to do tomorrow, when the labourer brings you food. What shall I do? replied the ox. I shall continue to act as you taught, as you taught me. Beware of that, replied the ass, it will ruin you, for as I came home this evening, I heard the merchant or master say something that makes me tremble for you. Alas, what did you hear, demanded the ox, as you love me, withhold nothing from me. Our master, replied the ass, addressed himself thus to the labourer, since the ox does not eat and is not able to work, I would have him killed tomorrow, therefore be sure to send for the butcher. This is what I had to tell you, said the ass. The interest I feel in your preservation and my friendship for you oblige me to make it known to you and to give you new advice. As soon as they bring you your bran and straw, rise up and eat heartily. Our master will buy this thing that you are recovered and no doubt will recall his orders for killing you. But if you act otherwise, you will certainly be slaughtered. 
This discourse had the effect which the ass designed. The ox was greatly alarmed and bellowed for fear. The merchant, who heard the conversation very attentively, fell into a loud fit of laughter, which greatly surprised his wife. Pray, husband, said she, tell me what you laugh at so heartily that I may laugh with you. Wife, replied he, you must content yourself with hearing me laugh. I cannot afford you satisfaction, and can only inform you that I laugh at what our ass just now said to the ox. The rest is a secret which I am not allowed to reveal. What? demanded she, hinders you from revealing the secret. If I tell it to you, replied he, I shall forfeit my life. You only jeer me, cried his wife. What, what you would have me believe cannot be true. If you do not directly satisfy me as to what you laugh at, and tell me what the ox and the ass said to one another, I swear by heaven that I will no longer live with you. Having spoken thus, she returned to the house, and, seating herself in a corner, cried there all night. Her husband, finding next morning that she continued in the same humour, told her she was very foolish to afflict herself in that manner, that it concerned her very little to know, while it was of the utmost consequence to him to keep the secret. Therefore, continued he, I conjure you to think of, to think no more of it. I shall still think so much of it, replied she, as never to forbear weeping till you have satisfied my curiosity. What I tell you very seriously, answered he, that it will cost me my life if I yield to your indiscreet solicitations. Let what will happen, said she, I do insist upon it. I perceive, resumed the merchant, that it is impossible to bring you to reason, and since I foresee that you will occasion your own death by your obstinacy, I will call in your children, that they may see you before you die. Accordingly, he called for them and sent for her father and mother and other relations. When they were come and had heard the reason of their being summoned, they did all they could to convince her that she was in the wrong, but to no purpose. She told them she would rather die than yield that point to her husband. When her children saw that nothing would prevail to draw her out of that sullen temper, they wept bitterly. The merchant himself was half frantic and almost ready to risk his own life to save that of his wife, whom he sincerely loved. Now, my daughter, continued the vizier to Scheherazade, this merchant had fifty hens and one cock, with a dog that gave good heed to all that passed. While the merchant was, as I said, considering what he had best do, he heard his dog tell the cock of the sad perplexity which assailed their master. What? Has our master so little sense? exclaimed the cock. He has but one wife, and cannot govern her, and though I have fifty, I make them all do what I please. Let him take a stick and trash her well, and I will answer for it. That will bring her to her senses, and make her forbear to importune him to discover what he ought not to reveal. The merchant took up a stick, went to his wife, and belaboured her so strongly that she cried out, Enough, husband, enough, forbear, and I will never ask the question more. Upon this, perceiving that she repented of, of her impertinent curiosity, he desisted, and opening the door, her friends came in, were glad to, upon this happy expedient, to bring his wife to reason. Upon this, perceiving that she repented of her impertinent curiosity, he desisted, and opening the door, her friends came in, were glad to find her cured of her obstinacy, and complimented her husband upon this happy 
expedient to bring his wife to reason. Daughter, added the Grand Vizier, you deserve to be treated as the merchant treated his wife. Father, replied Skeherazadi, I beg you would not take it ill that I persist in my opinion. I am nothing moved by the story of this woman. I could relate many to persuade you that you ought not to oppose my design. Besides, pardon me for declaring that your opposition is vain, for if your paternal affection should hinder you from granting my request, I will go and offer myself to the sultan. In short, the father, being overcome by the resolution of his daughter, yielded to her importunity, and though he was much grieved that he could not divert her from so fatal a resolution, he went instantly to acquaint the sultan that the next night he would bring him Skeherazadi. The sultan was much surprised at the sacrifice which the grand vizier proposed to make. How could you, said he, resolve to bring me your own daughter? Sir, answered the vizier, it is her own offer. The sad destiny that awaits her could not intimidate her. She, pre- she prefers the honour of being your majesty's wife for one night to her life. But do not act under a mistake, vizier, said the sultan. Tomorrow, when I place Skeherazadi in your hands, I expect you will put her to death. And if you fail, I swear that your own life shall answer. So, rejoined the vizier, though I am her father, I will answer for the fidelity of my hand to obey your order. When the grand vizier returned to Skeherazadi, she thanked her father for, habit, for having obliged her and, perceiving that he was overwhelmed with grief, told him that she hoped he would never repent of having married her to the sultan, and that, on the contrary, he should have reason to rejoice at his compliance all his days. Her business now was to adorn herself to appear before the sultan, but before she went she took her sister Dinarazadi apart and said to her, My dear sister, I have need of your assistance in a matter of great importance, and must pray you do not deny it me. My father is going to conduct me to the sultan. Do not let this alarm you, but hear me with patience. As soon as I am in his presence, I will pray him to allow you to come early on the morrow, that I may enjoy your company for an hour or two, ere I bid you farewell and go to my debt. If I obtain that favour, as I hope to do, remember, shortly after your arrival, to address me in these or some such words. My sister, I pray you that, ere I leave you, which must be very shortly, you will relate to me one of the entertaining stories of which you have recounted so many. I will immediately tell you one, and I hope by this means to deliver the city from the consternation it is under at present. Dinazari answered that she would with pleasure act as she required her. The Grand Vizier conducted Skeherazari to the palace and retired, after having introduced her into the Sultan's apartment. As soon as the Sultan was left alone with her, he ordered her to uncover her face. He found her so beautiful that he was perfectly charmed, but, perceiving her to be in tears, demanded the reason. Sir, answered Skeherazadi, I have a sister who loves me tenderly, and I could wish that she might be allowed to come early on the morrow to this chamber that I might see her, and once more bid her adieu. Will you be pleased to allow me the consolation of giving her this last testimony of my affection? Skaharia, having consented, Dinazari came and 
hour before dawn on the next day and failed not to do as her sister had ordered. My dear sister, cried she, ere I leave you, which will be very shortly, I pray you tell me one of those pleasant stories you have read. Alas, this will be the last time that I shall enjoy that pleasure. Scheherazade, instead of answering her sister, addressed herself to the sultan. Sir, will your majesty be pleased to allow me to afford my sister the satisfaction? With all my heart, replied the sultan. Scheherazade then bade her sister attend, and afterwards, addressing herself to Scaharia, proceeded as follows. And that is the end of the second story in this book, Aladdin and the Arabian Nights. So I thought it was a um, pretty good lesson to get the point across that the Grand Vizier wanted to his daughter, Scheherazade, that, you know, she really shouldn't be meddling in such a, um, you know, really dangerous affair, that she's putting her life at risk, and she's putting herself in a bad position, as opposed to everybody else. But then I think it also um, shows how resilient and how determined Scheherazade is to fix such a bad situation in that the story didn't deter her in any way, shape or form. She just used it as motivation. She literally told her father, you know, that story doesn't change anything. I still want to do it. And eventually the Grand Vizier caves and he lets her go to enact her plan. So I thought it was, again, a really good story in terms of showing a strong female character as opposed to Western stories where the female characters usually end up needing um, a prince or somebody of similar um, personification to save them. So that was really good. And I hope that it was a bit... um, informative if some of you haven't ever heard any of these stories a couple of the other stories in here um that you might be familiar with include senban um for those of you who don't know he was actually a really pro- um, popular merchant slash pirate it depends on what animation or retelling that you re- read so that story is here as well and for those of you who don't know just a brief synopsis he went on Sinban ends up going on seven different voyages each one more um completely fantastical than the last it's actually pretty um enjoyable um that will definitely be um talked about more in the next episode so that is it for this episode and once again i'd like to thank you for tuning in and if you feel so obliged give me a follow on instagram at ptalks with kudo you can also find this podcast on spotify amazon music and samsung podcasts as well as the acast platform if you have a book you'd like reviewed or that you would like to review with me Feel free to DM me on Instagram at ptalkswithkuro or via my email at the same handle. So thank you for listening and see you next time.